Our scripture this morning begins in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. If you would, follow along as we hear God's word. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, if possible. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Amen? Amen. The title of our series through Romans has been Together for good. And we've been thinking about all the good that God has done for us in the gospel and through Christ and applied to us by his Holy Spirit. And now we're seeing all that God is doing through us as we now are applying what God has told us in the first 11 chapters of Romans into chapter 12, as we are now becoming transformed by the renewing of our minds, a new creation. And so, truly, this is where the rubber meets the road. I mean, this passage is really all application. (laughs) It is 100% application. When I was in eighth grade, my middle school, William J. Clark Middle School, go Greyhounds, um, we took a field trip to New York City in eighth grade. Can you believe that? Amen, right? (laughs) We went to New York City, and we visited museums, we visited the Twin Towers, we visited the Empire State Building, we visited the Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island, we did the whole tourist thing in New York City. But the best part of being in New York City, I remember in eighth grade, the best part was walking down the streets. The best part was looking at all the different kinds of people, the crowds of people who they told us, just keep your eyes straight, just look forward, don't make eye contact with anyone. Of course, we didn't follow that advice, and we did make eye contact. And and while I was in New York on the streets, I had an opportunity, y'all, a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to purchase an extremely discounted Rolex watch. I mean, it was, y'all, it was an incredible opportunity, and it was only going to cost me $200, And unfortunately, in my eighth grade bank account, I didn't quite have $200, so I had to pass by this wonderful opportunity to buy a Rolex on the street of New York City. Later, I found out that the Rolexes that they sell for $200 on the streets of New York are fake. Did you know that? $200 seemed like a lot of money to me, right? Like... Seemed like a pretty good deal. But in reality, a Rolex starts at $6,000 and can go up into the $50,000, $60,000 range for a real Rolex. Okay? So if you find somebody trying to sell you one for $200, it is guaranteed to be a fake. All right? That Rolex is not genuine. So how do you know if a Rolex is fake or is genuine? How do you know? Well, Back in the 90s, uh, someone with a discerning eye could tell pretty easily. There were some things you could tell. It didn't weigh very much. But over the years, 
the manufacturers of these fake Rolexes have actually gotten really good. And today, even an expert, even a a trained expert cannot tell the difference between a fake Rolex and a real Rolex just by looking at it. And so what you have to do is you have to take it into the shop. You have to take it in to an authorized dealer where, where they will take off the back case and they will inspect the inside. And by looking on the inside, they can tell if it's real or if it's fake, if it's genuine or if it's a ripoff. Why am I telling you this? Because Christianity can be faked too. Christianity can be faked too, and it is faked all the time. And you and I, to some degree, are guilty of it. Right, So as God wants to tell us more about what it means to actually be a real, genuine Christian, we open up the scripture today. And there are 20 points in this sermon. Why? Because there's 20 points in Paul's, in the, Paul's writing here in the scripture. Okay, So I, I tried to narrow it down, but really there's 20 points. So y'all hang on. This sermon is going to have a lot of points. How do you know if something's genuine? How do you know that the love that Christ gives us and the love in your life, how do you know it's genuine? What we need to do is open up and look on the inside, right? We need to open up and look on the inside of our own hearts. Open up and look on the inside, and that is what this these 20 inspection points are going to do for us. They're going to help us open up our hearts and look inside and see is it genuine? Is it real? Is what God has done really changing me? You see, the the letter to the Romans has explained so far what we need to believe to be genuine. You you can't become genuine on your own effort. Paul, the Apostle Paul, goes to great lengths to say, this is not your own works. This is not your own doing. You can't make yourself real. If you're fake, you can't make yourself real, right? God has to make you real real. God has to give you that gift of not only eternal life, but a new life that comes from God. It's a gift of God. Only the blood of Jesus can take away our past. Only the blood of Jesus can pay the penalty of sin because our efforts are never going to be good enough. And only the goodness of God can come and cover our lives and make us justified before God. Only his grace only his mercy. Over and over in Romans, we've been talking about that theme that it's only the good news of Jesus that can truly make you a genuine lover, a genuine Christian. Only the Holy Spirit of God can give us this new life and truly bring transformation that we all seek. And so I want to start with the good news. The good news is Jesus lived and died for you. Believe it. All right, that's, the front, that's on the front end of this sermon. Sometimes that's on the back end of a sermon, but for this sermon, it's on the front end. Jesus lived and died for you. Believe in him. Put your trust in him. And when you do, you're forgiven, you're forgiven from all your past sins, present sins, and future sins. You are forgiven. God no longer holds it against you. Even on your worst day, God doesn't hold that against you. Because Jesus has lived and died for you if you put your faith in him. And now you have been transformed and you're being transformed into a genuine Christian. A person who is in Christ. The first words here say, let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. That word genuine has the word hypocrisy in it, but it means not hypocritical. So the word genuine means without hypocrisy, right? So let love be without hypocrisy. Let love be real. Let it be genuine. And as as you're looking through this, this entire section that we've read together, everything that is mentioned is an, is an expansion of that central idea. That love must be genuine, okay? And so then everything else under that is actually a participial phrase. Everything is expanding on 
what genuine love actually is. And so as we go through this, we're going we're gonna to look at this as what is genuine love? What is love without hypocrisy? And everything that, that is given to us here is going to be an expansion on that. What does genuine love look like? Let's jump in. Point number one, genuine love is righteous. The scripture says here, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is what? good, right? To hold fast to what is good. Genuine love is righteous. And so love is not just a feeling that we have of goodwill toward people, but love must be righteous. That means love has to come from God. We have to love the things that God loves, and we have to hate the things that God hates. So good is not defined by our society. Good is not defined by your feelings, Good is not defined by what's rational. Okay, good is defined by God. And good is defined for us in Scripture. That's why God wrote it down for us. So we can know what his character is really like, what goodness really is. Genuine love is good. Genuine love is righteous. It's actually defined by his character. And you know, sometimes we say, oh, we just need to love people. But what we mean by that sometimes is we just need to accept what they're doing. But I think that's why, as God is explaining to us what love really is, that the very first thing is that love must be good, that love must be righteous. And so it's actually unloving to not address evil and sin in one another's lives or even in our own lives. It's actually unloving to let someone slide into a a lifestyle or a behavior that is going to destroy them, right? If my kids are disobeying me, is it loving to not correct them? No, why? Because it could lead to their death, especially when they're little, right? If they don't obey me, if they don't honor their father and mother, they could run out into the street. The wages of sin is death, right? Sometimes for a toddler, it's just like that. It is never loving to not to refuse to confront someone who is living outside of God's design. That goes for every area of life. It goes for our politics. It goes for our sexuality. It goes for our family relationships. It goes for every area. Genuine love is good. Genuine love is righteous. Number two, genuine love enjoys being with God's people. Look at what the scripture says here. Love one another with brotherly affection. The word here is Philadelphia. It's it's the city of what? Right. It's love one another with brotherly affection. Love, come on Gary, love makes you family. Right? Love makes you family. And so, If you have a genuine love, you have a stake in one another's lives. You genuinely want the good of everyone in the household of faith. You genuinely want their good. Genuine love enjoys being with God's people. That's one thing that the the pandemic has made so hard for us to enjoy being with one another. Number three, genuine love is not competitive. The scripture here says that we are to outdo one another in showing honor. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) We're to outdo one another. We're to be competitive to not be competitive. Right? If you're going to be competitive, be competitive about not being competitive. 19th century, Charles Darwin observed a world at war. Constantly fighting for survival of the what? The fittest, right? This is when we look at the world today, that's what we see when we just observe nature. Survival of the fittest. And society mirrors this reality. Some people call it social Darwinism. What it means is that we are all fighting for survival. We are all fighting for honor. But for whose honor? My honor, right? And it creates so much it creates so much tension and so much evil in the world that we follow our wicked, fallen desires to fight for ourselves. But Christian love, genuine Christian love is the exact opposite. 
We fight for the honor of others. We stop fighting for our own honor, and we fight for the honor of others. How do we do that? We do that by elevating other people. We do that by finding ways to honor other people, by pointing out their successes, by, by pointing out their strengths to someone else. By saying, have you ever looked at this person? Look at how, look at how their life is. Honoring others is a mark of genuine love. Love is not competitive Number four, genuine love is on fire for the Lord. Genuine love is on fire for the Lord. Look at what the scripture here says in verse 11. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. See, zeal is energy. It's enthusiasm. It's that person who just can't sit down. They have zeal, right? You know people like that, don't you? And so love is that way. Love is energetic. Love is moving. It's moving outward. It's always searching for a way to serve. Not for a way to draw attention, right, but for a way to serve. Genuine love is always looking for a way to serve the Lord. The scripture here says being fervent in spirit, or it may say being fervent in the spirit, referring to the Holy Spirit. And so there's, there's a sense here that, that we're fervent, but we're dependent. That we're moving outward, we're zealous, but we're zealous for the Lord. Not for our own agenda, but for his agenda. Do you remember what Paul wrote in his other letter to the church at Colossa? He said, I am struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. That I am struggling with all his energy. Whose energy? God's energy. I'm struggling with all of his energy that he powerfully works within me. Genuine love is on fire for the Lord. Number five, genuine love is full of hope. Verse 12 begins, rejoice in hope. There are so many things in life to be discouraged about right now. And we could sit around the campfire and moan and groan about everything that's wrong with the world, right? We could. But genuine love is confident in God's faithfulness. Genuine love hopes because it is rooted in our trust that God, that his promises are true. That his love is possible because we've been loved by him. We've experienced his love and so we can have hope. That we can rejoice in hope. Not just on Sunday when everybody's doing it, but throughout the week. Rejoice in hope that worship would be a duty, not, that it would not be a duty, but it would be a delight. Genuine love is full of hope. Number six, genuine love perseveres. The scripture here says, be patient in tribulation. Be patient in tribulation. In this world, there are many troubles. We can be honest about the troubles in the world. And some of these troubles come from inside. They come from doubt and disbelief and our own personal failures and sin. And sometimes the troubles come from outside, from sickness and opposition and wicked people in our lives who mean harm to us. The tribulations can come from within and from outside. But love, genuine love, is not undone by any of these things. Remember what we said a few weeks ago, hard things don't have to harden you. Because love is patient in tribulation, because it's resting in the one who loves us so well. God is love. Genuine love perseveres. Number seven, genuine love is intimate. The scripture says, be constant in prayer. I think Gary mentioned it earlier, maybe in his prayer, uh, pray continually. It's a theme in the scripture, right? Be constant in prayer. Genuine love is intimate. I've heard it said that prayer is the thermometer of your soul. That prayer is the thermometer of your soul. It gives you a feeling and a sense of how close you are to God. How intimate is your relationship with God can be measured to some degree by how your prayer life looks. How are you praying? You know, marriage and family therapists often say that that the frequency of intimacy in, in a relationship, in a marriage, 
can be the thermometer for the health of the marriage. They can use that as a gauge to say, okay, how healthy is this marriage? How frequent is the intimacy? And they will say, if it's not happening, then something must be off in the relationship, right? It's not perfect. But the same kind of thing could be true for prayer. It's not a rule, but it's something to think about. If you're not praying regularly, if I'm not praying regularly, if I'm not experiencing intimacy with God, then something might be off in the relationship. I might have lost sight of what this relationship with God is all about. You know, is it just me doing a treadmill? Is it just me working my way to heaven? You know, or is it really me receiving the gift of God's grace in my life? Me responding to his goodness in my life. And prayer would be a natural outflow of that, wouldn't it? It would be a natural outflow and outworking of that. It could be that prayer is the thermometer of the, of the soul. This is a hard one. Be constant in prayer. And I think each of us should ask ourselves a hard question. If I don't pray, why don't I pray? And really ask yourself, maybe spend some time journaling about that. Why don't I pray? And be honest with yourself about it. Because I don't believe God cares for me. Those are some words I wrote in my journal a few years ago. Because I don't really think he cares. Be honest with yourself about why you don't pray. And then take that insight to God in prayer. And ask God to rekindle the love and the intimacy that that he wants for you and wants to have with you that would spring forth into a a renewed intimacy with God, a renewed prayer life with God. God says, genuine love is intimate. Be constant in prayer. Number eight, genuine love shares. Genuine love shares. The scripture here says, contribute to the needs of the saints. One of the most recognizable features of Christianity is sharing. It's in our name, New City sharing. You know what the third word? It's fellowship, right? And that's what fellowship means. It means sharing. New city sharing. That doesn't sound quite as good as new city fellowship, right? So we named it fellowship, but the word really means sharing. New city sharing. Genuine love shares. The world keeps to itself. The world hoards and builds up a big bank account, but Christians have always been marked by giving. Christians have always been marked by sacrificial giving. It is the very heart of the gospel message, isn't it? That God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son. You see, genuine love shares. Genuine love gives. And so ask yourself, are you aware of any needs in the body? And if you are, maybe God has raised you up for such a time as this. To show radical love, to give in the way that you're able to, maybe even sacrificially. Genuine love shares. Number nine, genuine love is welcoming. Seek to show hospitality. I mentioned a Greek word to you earlier, and those of you that have heard me preach before, you know that this word, I'm going to mention this because I love it. But there was a word earlier, brotherly love. And that word brotherly love is phila. Come on. Delphia, right? Philadelphia, brotherly love. The word hospitality is phila, it starts the same way, phila, xenia. And xenia means foreigner. Xenia means stranger. Hospitality is showing love to strangers. It's not brotherly love, it's stranger love. (laughs) It's foreigner love. Increasingly, our world, listen, increasingly, our world is hostile to outsiders. But God's love shows hospitality. God's love calls us to show hospitality, to be welcoming to strangers, to be welcoming to outsiders, to build bridges across political spectrums and 
cultural spectrums and language and preferences. To be welcoming, the gospel is for all nations. Hospitality is how we welcome people into our lives. And it's practical. It's an open door. Okay, maybe not in COVID. (laughs) But it's an open yard. In fact, starting in May, we're going to switch up how we do house church for a little bit. Not forever, but just for a little bit. And what we're going to do is we're going to invite our neighbors into our front yards. And we're going to have a different home each week. So we'll let you know where we're going to be the address and everything, and we're going to all come together into a front yard, and the, and the job of that person is to invite their neighbors. We're going to cook hot dogs and have conversation and have some games for the kids and adults that want to play. But we really need to push back into showing hospitality, and so this is a way we think we can do that in a way that's safe and appropriate to have what we're going to call uh, house church yard parties, okay? So get ready for that. That's going to start in May, the first Wednesday in May. Front yard or house church yard parties. It, people who come up with better names, y'all help me out, but that's all I got, okay? <laughs> yard parties. Does that sound fun? Sounds fun, right? Yard parties, okay. Genuine love is welcoming. Number 10, genuine love blesses. God says to us, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. We live in an unjust world. And each of us, in some way, will experience persecution. To some degree. And and as much as we love, as much as we give, as much as we preach grace... And the love of God, many will still push back with evil intentions. Even with our best efforts, we will still see opposition, right? That's what persecution is, is opposition to this kingdom that God is spreading. But God says to us, you cannot meet cursing with cursing. You cannot meet cursing with cursing. Instead, genuine love blesses the one who seeks to harm you. Genuine love blesses the one who seeks to harm you. And I I can't think of a better example than Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The strategy of nonviolent resistance. It didn't respond to evil with evil, but it also didn't compromise the message. And ended up being effective to bring civil rights for all people. Love must act. Love must bless, not curse. So how can we bless those who persecute us? Genuine love blesses. Number 11, genuine love rejoices. The scripture here says rejoice with those who rejoice. Rejoice with those who rejoice. You see, love, genuine love, is other-focused. It doesn't say rejoice when you feel good. It says rejoice when they feel good. Rejoice with those who rejoice. We react to other people's blessings with gladness and happiness. I didn't get the raise, but I'm rejoicing with you. I didn't get the new baby, but I'm rejoicing with you. I didn't get the engagement ring but I'm rejoicing with you. Genuine love rejoices with those who rejoice. Genuine love feels joy for the one that we love. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that mind-blowing? Isn't that the complete opposite of the world that we live in? This can be really convicting. Really convicting. Uh, And just from a personal example, this is how messed up pastors are. Okay, I'll share this with you. When I, when I saw a friend, a local, a local friend, join another church, that's a good church, I had hoped they would join our church, right? I had hoped they would join our church, and it was really hard not to be bitter about that. It was really hard not to feel bitter 
about that. But God reminded me in that moment of bitterness, in that moment of, why not join New City? Like, we're great for you, you know. That I can only rejoice with others if I trust that God is for us, that God is for me. I can only rejoice if I trust that God is for me, right? I can only rejoice if I trust that God is for me. And so it was, a, it was an opportunity to trust God again, to trust God again, when it didn't really make any sense, to trust God again. Genuine love rejoices with those who rejoice and weeps with those who weep. Many times when we see people suffering or experiencing loss, think about this. Your instinct, a lot of times, is to offer a solution. A lot of times your instinct is to offer counsel. Like, oh, you're really going through something. Let me help you with that. Right? But, but, but God's saying to us that genuine love doesn't have to fix it, right? Genuine love weeps with those who weep. Genuine love takes time for weeping. Genuine love takes time for mourning. Genuine love takes time to understand. Even when you don't relate and you can't understand, to take the time to weep with those who weep. Even if you don't feel it, to weep with those who weep. Um, When Michael Brown was shot by a police officer in Ferguson several years ago. I found myself thinking things like this. Why didn't he just comply with the officer? This wouldn't have happened if he had just complied with the officer. And and then they have a video of him stealing something. Like he's a criminal, so maybe he was resisting or pushing back or Maybe he really was a threat. I thought to myself, this is a tragedy, but it's not murder. All right? Walk with me with this white pastor up here. All right? And so, when I heard about what was happening, I had a reaction. I had a gut response. But many, if not all, of my black friends were reacting quite differently than I, was, than I was on the inside. They were calling it injustice. They were calling it racism. And what do you do with that? Well, let me tell you, it really wasn't racism. It really wasn't injustice. It really was just, you know, he uh, probably, uh, what am I doing? I'm offering you a solution, right? And I'm not showing you genuine love. This was an opportunity for me personally to show genuine love. And by God's grace, His Holy Spirit working in me, in my heart, I did show genuine love. I never voiced any of those thoughts that I had until this moment. I really haven't. Genuine love weeps with those who weep. I didn't need to push my solution or my understanding of it. What I needed to do was weep. What I needed to do was listen, right? What I needed to do was learn something. And thank God, in response to that situation, I was able, personally, to learn something. I was able to understand a little bit more about the systemic issues in our culture, in our society, that have led to countless Michael Browns in our history. And so because I was, a, I was willing to weep with those who weep, God used it to help me grow in understanding Right? And so now when I see these situations, my gut response is not what it used to be anymore. Praise God for that. It's not what it used to be. God is at work. Working genuine love in our hearts. Genuine love weeps with those who weep. Number 13. Y'all, I told you there's 20 points, so you know it's... it's... Number 13. Genuine love doesn't dominate Look at what verse 16 says. It says, live in harmony with one another. Harmony is produced when, a dis- when distinct notes are played together without one note dominating the other. I don't know if I have sound. I'm just going to demonstrate it for you, okay? Okay. 
So, one note, another note, another note, okay? Three notes distinct. Now, harmony is playing those notes together. And what's the, the resulting sound is so much more beautiful than the one note. Right? And so, but none of those notes are dominating. Right? They're all participating in the chord together. Genuine love doesn't dominate. God wants us to understand that we need to live in harmony with one another. We talked about this last week with the spiritual gifts. That there's not one gift that's more important than the others. There's some that are up front. Music, preaching, right? But all of the gifts need to be in harmony with one another. There are many gifts that are necessary for the growth of the church. And so some of you need to play your gift softer. Okay, I'll just go ahead and I'll go ahead and raise my hand. Some of you need to play your gift softer, and some of you need to play your gift louder. Because while it's true that genuine love doesn't dominate, genuine love also can't just sit back and do nothing. Right? The opposite is true too. We have to find that place, and when we're singing together on the, on the stage, I, I, as we're singing together, I'm listening to Deanie's voice. And she's listening to my voice. And we're, we weren't harmonizing today, but we were singing in unison. Genuine love doesn't dominate. Allow God's gift in you. Think about, does it need to be played louder or does it need to be played softer? For most of us, it needs to be played louder. Genuine love, number 14, is humble. The scripture says in verse 16, do not associate I'm sorry, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Paul said earlier, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Humility is such a key virtue in Christianity because we're all dependent on God's grace. Right? What, what do we say Wednesday night? The, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Genuine love is humble. None of us got here because of us. None of us got here because we're so good. And so we can have humility with one another. We can associate with what the world calls the lowly. And what Jesus calls, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus actually calls them princes and princesses. The lowly, the ones that the world despises are royalty. So who are the lowly in our community? And do we associate with the lowly? By God's grace, this church does. And, and I pray that as we get out of COVID, that we can continue to do that. This summer, we're going to be hosting 30 children who are in need of help with education. They're going to be doing a summer literacy program right here at our church called the Freedom School. And these 30 children and their families, we are going to have an opportunity to come alongside and support them and help them, and love them, and be loved by them, and be supported by them and their families. So please be praying about that. Genuine love associates with the lowly. Genuine love is humble. Number 15, genuine love asks for help. The scripture says, never be wise in your own sight. Genuine love asks for help, and this really does flow from humility. The more we're willing to recognize our weakness and our need, the more we know what? I need some help. The more we can admit it, the more we can ask for help. You know, the world values a self-made woman or a self-made man. But God wants us to be dependent. Dependent on one another. Never be wise in your own sight. Ask for help. Seek the wisdom of others. Number 16. Genuine love is merciful. Verse 17 says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Mercy is showing kindness when it's in your power to punish. Mercy is not giving you what you deserve, not giving you the penalty that you deserve. It's mercy 
And, and, and God gives us mercy, doesn't he? God gives us mercy. He absorbs our sin, our evil, so that we can absorb the sins of others, right? He shows us mercy so that we can show mercy. And it doesn't have to stop with us. When we absorb evil and we show mercy, we can pass that right on along to the Lord who can handle it. Evil is an opportunity for love to shine. This is something in here he says, give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. You know, when we face evil, sometimes we just want to shame people. When we see people do something dumb, we just want to shame them. But, but God's love, genuine love, says no. Give thought to what will be seen as honorable in the sight of all. That means how we respond in the face of evil matters. How we respond in the face of evil matters Will we do like the world? Will we hide in fear? Will we react in anger? Or will we do something else? Genuine love doesn't just show mercy. It puts mercy on display. Genuine love puts mercy on display so the world can see the face of God through you and through me as we respond to real evil in the world. Number 17 Genuine love seeks for peace. Verse 18 says, if possible, key words, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Genuine love seeks for peace. Disagreements happen. Even among family members, even in the church, right? Disagreements happen. But genuine love goes to great lengths to make peace, to seek peace. When we face a conflict, God wants us to seek to understand and to lay down our right to be right. To lay down our right to be right. To seek for peace. If I keep claiming my right, then I'm never going to reach peace probably. But I have to be willing to say, okay, I want to make peace here. As far as it depends on me, I want to make peace here. And so we need to come to those situations with open hands. To come to those situations saying, as far as it depends on me, I'm going to make peace here. And look, I love that the Apostle Paul says, if possible, right? Because he's recognizing and God's telling us, it ain't always possible. Because peace and really reconciliation is not just a one-person thing. It requires both parties to make true peace and to make true reconciliation. So you can be willing to make peace. You can be willing to be reconciled, but the other person has to be willing too in order to experience true reconciliation or peace. It's complicated. But genuine love seeks for peace, all right? Seeks for peace. Number 18. We're getting close. Genuine love trusts God. Verse 19. Beloved. There's that word again. Love. Beloved. Never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Never avenge yourself means that you're trusting God, right? Genuine love trusts God and doesn't need vengeance. Now, this is an important distinction because injustice in the world is real and you shouldn't, you shouldn't always react to injustice by saying, well, I'm just going to trust God and just whatever happens, happens, right? If, if we all had that attitude, we never would have civil rights, right? We never would have justice in the world. We never would be able to leave our homes because the world would be too violent, too insane. We need to seek for justice, right? We need to seek for justice in the proper paths. And, and next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about the government and, how, and the role that the government plays in this process of justice. But for now, just 
realize that sometimes we don't get justice from the court. The court of opinion or the court of the government, right? Sometimes we don't get justice. Wrongs are not always made right in this world. And you're tempted to get payback. You're tempted to fester in anger, to avenge yourself. But God promises, and this is where he's quoting scripture, God promises vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. And so when we don't experience justice in this world, because we don't always, in those moments, even though we're seeking it in the right way, we can still rest that God is going to repay, that God will make it right in the end. Genuine love, trust God enough to not seek vengeance. Number 19. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. This is a quote from Proverbs 25, verse 11, uh, verse 21. For love to be genuine, it must be full of grace. Genuine love is full of grace. It cannot be deserved. They don't deserve my love. You're absolutely right. They don't deserve your love. And you don't either. Right? You don't deserve God's love. Get that in your head. You don't deserve God's love. And I don't deserve your love. And I never will. That's not the point. The point is genuine love is full of grace. Undeserved grace. This is genuine love. This is the power of genuine love. It heaps burning coals on the head of the one doing you wrong. What does that mean? Well, there's some discussion about that, but here's what I think it means. I think this is a reference to the sacrificial system. Okay, of the burning coals of the sacrifice, the blood sacrifice. And so what I think God is saying here is that for the person who sins against you and you respond with grace, you know what they get to see? They get to see the blood of Jesus demonstrated in a powerful way in their life. They get to see not what they deserve, but they get to see grace. And they should be wondering, what? What is this? And what it should do is it should turn their hearts away from the evil inside of them and to a God who is a God of grace. And we get to be a part of that by feeding our enemies and by giving them a cold drink when they're thirsty. It is so practical. God will use your kindness to draw cold, dead hearts to life. Genuine love is full of grace. And number 20, last. Genuine love overcomes, conquers all, is victorious. I couldn't decide how to say it. Genuine love overcomes. The word overcome is the word that you know it's written on some of your shoes. It's Nike. It's Nike. It means victory, right? It overcomes. Genuine love overcomes. Verse 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And if those aren't marching orders for the church, then I don't know what is. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We need to recognize that we are in a war Okay, that there's a real spiritual war happening in this world. The devil, the world, and our own sinful nature are fighting against God for dominance, for victory. But as God's people who have been forgiven and healed and redeemed from all evil, we are now, by God's grace, able to fight back. We are able to fight back against evil in this world with good. To fight back with all of God's power that he works in us for good. By his Holy Spirit exercising our gifts in harmony with one another. Just imagine, I mean, if 
Christians actually lived out the genuine love that God has given to us in Christ, if we actually lived it out, how would the world be changed? How would your family be changed? How would your community be changed? How would your workplace be changed? And there's good news for you. It's not about you pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps and doing it. It's about you trusting Christ enough to love. Genuine love is righteous. It enjoys being with God's people. It's not competitive. Genuine love is on fire for the Lord. It is full of hope. Genuine love perseveres. It is intimate with God. Genuine love shares. It's welcoming. It blesses. Genuine love rejoices and weeps. It doesn't dominate, but it's humble. Genuine love asks for help, and it's merciful. Genuine love seeks for peace and trusts God. Genuine love is full of grace. And genuine love overcomes. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for um, all of these wonderful points that challenge us and give us hope. And Lord, I want to see this in my life. I want to see more and more of genuine love that you have given to me through Christ to be lived out. And I want that for each person here today in person and online, that genuine love would be lived out in our lives together. Lord, do that work in us by your Spirit. Do that work in us by your grace. As we trust in you, trust in Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.